Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brandon Robinson. Scoopy Radio. Let's go. What's the deal? My man got the LED lights and everything. <laughs> I'm in my studio right now. I like it. I like it. Does your hat say Make America Great? Is that why you got it on backwards? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no, man. I got on a Rock Nation hat. There you go. I haven't seen that one. Is it different? Oh, this joint? Scooby Radio. Yeah. They, they actually did these ones for Nipsey. Okay, okay. So you got the exclusive ones. I know what you're talking about. He did oh, it with nah, man. It was a collaboration he did with um with Emery. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh -huh. yes. 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 How are you? I'm good, man. I cannot complain. You know, with everything going on. I'm not going to complain. As a matter of fact, Nobody not that I can't. Nobody it's, wants it's, to hear all that. Yeah, it's it's legitimate complaints that could be put in, but it's you know, I what can I do, man? I'm I'm, I'm doing all right in life, so I ain't gonna waste my time. Yes, sir. Bro, I've known you for about four years. Right. Correct. And I've seen your elevation from manager, behind the scenes, right, and front, but still behind the scenes. Right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Which do you prefer? Man, I ain't gonna lie. Like, I used to. I, I really wanted to be behind the scenes. I really wanted to be a behind the scenes dude that was rich that nobody knew. I wanted to be the dude that I could walk anywhere and nobody knew me, but I actually prefer being on camera now because I make more money. But you know what I'm saying? But you know, I, I do I did I do enjoy um behind the scenes work. I still do behind the scenes work that I don't put my name in front of and all of that, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm just more worried about not worried, but I'm just more concerned with getting things done as opposed to just speaking about them. What was more of a hands-on case study? Your role with Dave East as the manager mm -hmm. or your role with Rockefeller Records? Um, my role with Rockefeller Records. I feel like, you know, without my role at Rockefeller Records, I wouldn't have been able to do all the stuff I did with uh with East later on. Um and even with that I learned a lot on the job, but like um I, I my my time that was still kinda like my childhood being at Rockefeller. Like, you know when 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 you're in your 20s, everybody looks at it like you're an adult, but you really, had a, like, if you mentally you're an adolescent, you're still going to make those young decisions. So it's like, for me, it was, it, it, that was the case study because when I became a man and started to handle the business, I was like, oh, well, I already learned all of this then, or I know how to do this because I was around that. So I say Rockefeller, you know. What was your exact title with Rockefeller? Um, I was an assistant a &R. Okay. So, so. I mean, I ain't gonna lie. I did way more than I got paid for. You know what I mean? I did way more than I got paid for. But my my job duties was basically um, I was AR for state property. Um, that entailed like you know working with everybody. Um, the ones that I really worked on that products that came out was the Becoming, the Beanie Siegel, the Young Guns first album, um, the the Public Enemy mixtape, 
um the state property um two chain gang album i worked on all of those and then i did like just being at rocket so i did and our admin so like i did admin work on um jay-z blueprint too i did admin work on college dropout um i did admin work on a few things yeah, yeah when when you talk about the just the chain gang you talk about college dropout you talk about blueprint and i feel like that's just like a a 2000 to 2004, excuse my French, clusterfuck. It was just so much stuff put out at one time. No disrespect to the artists. We were yeah. blessed with so much content. Yeah, I mean, the thing was, it was that, like, they they really was built off of hunger, man. Like, one thing about Rockefeller, a lot of situations is pacified. But if you wanted to get your album out, if you wanted to get your mixtape out, if you wanted to get your single out, you really had to you you had to prove yourself. Like you know what I mean? Like whether that be making a mixtape and playing it for J and them, or making like the Young Guns. We did I did they mixtape too, the youngest in charge. I had did that, and we had we me my man Ramsey. We found can't stop, won't stop. You know, you had to prove yourself if you wanted to get money or you wanted to get recognition. You know what I'm saying? As a guy like myself who comes from, you know, the NBA and a reporting background, I'm not, you know, oblivious to the music side during my time at the source. Mm -hmm. However, there's certain cues. Um, I'm not reading anything. This is really coming to mind as this organic conversation, but, but if, if it needs to be said. One of the unwritten rules that, or one of the things many reporters said was that when you got Kobe grinning, sitting back in his chair and, and telling you that it was a good question, that's yeah. how you knew you got him. Right, right. With Jay, from a business perspective, what are those cues that you know you have his full and undivided attention? Oh, man. Um, I can't specifically say that. Like, because, like, my time around Jay, like, I never forgot every any every conversation we've ever had. I've, I've always remembered. But, like, I didn't really get um that, like, approval until I started working on the E shit. You know what I mean? Like, like, like not, not approval because he... We was cool and like, but I never, I, I didn't do business when I was a worker. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, wasn't, I wasn't in the conference room. I was, the only thing I was in the conference room was for staff meetings. I never was in no big, crazy meetings. I never tried to front and act like I was doing more than I was. But like, when I started working with East, um, Lenny um, wanted to sign him. Lenny S wanted to sign him to Rock Nation. And it was going to be like a Rock Nation mass appeal thing with Jay-Z and Nas. And um, I went to, to the office and like me and Jay talked for like thirty minutes, and um his his whole conversation was just about end of the day like Jay got all the money in the world he don't need me for nothing like he he just was like yo like you know because there's a relationship between us and you got something going I want to make sure that you're in the best position possible to to make the money because these dudes that's in these buildings is not going they going to wave little money in front of you they not never going to show you the real money you know what i mean so he like my thing is is that i want to make sure that you're in a position that your kids ain't got to worry about it your moms ain't got it you know what i mean like it's more about um him trying to help me at that point because i i mean i proved myself you know what i mean like i proved that by them letting me a part of what they had going on early that I did it because it was a lot of people down with Rockefeller. That's, it was a lot of people. It's not a lot of people they talk about. You know what I mean? But it was a lot of people that worked there. It was a lot of people in the, in the studio, a lot of people in the office that didn't, they, they don't get a lot of the recognition that they deserve because after Rockefeller, they never really did much, you know? Yeah, no, that's valid. And Rockefeller Records to me, you know, was, was the original Chicago Bulls in the 90s. I'm glad that The Last Dance came out so people could really see the dynasty that the Bulls were. Yeah. Jay-Z had to tell you it was a dynasty. That's why there was a dynasty compilation album that wasn't oh, yeah. even his. Um, but I guess my question is, state property gets lost in translation a lot because I believe they weren't, they weren't New York cats, but they were the backbone of, 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 of Rockefeller being from mm -hmm. Philly. You and I have often had conversations off camera about just the connection that we have to Philly. Me going to school out that way, you being back and forth with Chris Meath and Beans yeah. and stuff like that. What is something about state property um, that people should know that they don't know? Um, that they all, they really good, all of them are really good guys. You know what I mean? I, they really, like, I ain't gonna lie, man, like, I'm, and I'm taking out, like, any 
beefs that any of them have had with each other. Sure. A lot of people don't know, you know what I mean? Like, a, a, a lot of people don't know that they're just really genuinely good people. The, the reason why they never really um, rose to where everybody had the expectations of is because ultimately they didn't understand business. They didn't understand business, you know what I mean? Like, and, and it's hard to, to transition Cause these all these dudes is fresh off the block, like you know what I mean. Like I didn't been to every one of they every one of their neighborhoods. They really come from some tough circumstances, and when you mix that in with making money and not really learning the business, the bit like the, the the money you're attaining is purely off of your talent, but you're not taking the time to learn. That's when you get you know, like you said, a clusterfuck. You know what I mean? Like that's when you get a bunch of stuff that's just misdirected or nobody knows where they want to be led because they, they can't even lead themselves. You know what I'm Is the business of music harder now or then? Uh, to me, to me, it's virtually the same. I think before, like, it's virtually the same because the thing about it is, is like, one thing about the music industry is the music industry will always adapt. So it's like I see like, you know, um like Steve Stout saying, Oh, if Drake went, if Drake went totally independent, then um it would end the music industry. Not and I'm not pro listen, I'm not pro label at all. But I just understand from a business standpoint, they will always adjust. Like the people who run the business is not niggas from the hood. It's it's people that understand business and logistics on a on a, a, a another level. So it's like, oh, if that shifts, we'll shift with that, or we'll figure out our way in there. So I don't really think that the business is tougher now. It's tougher to break artists now. I say that it's why? Because it's an oversaturation of artists. Like think about when artists was putting out music like independently. Like if you was an independent artist back in the days, you couldn't put your shit in Tower Records. You know what I'm saying? Like you couldn't put your shit in in Virgin Mega Store to sell or H uh, uh, S and M or whatever them stores was that they used to sell CDs. H and M, S and M is different. It's H and M, not it's an H and M. Um, yes. There was a, a music store, well, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now everybody can be on the same. Like you, you might not get the, you might not get a playlist look, but and I could start a, I could make my son rap tomorrow and put him on Spotify. I could put them on YouTube. I could put them on Apple Music. I could put them on anything. So it's like, but it's a C. It's like, okay, if this, if the, there's more C than there is land in the world, right? So, yeah. How do you stand out in that? Like, if you're, if you're a fucking raindrop, where do you fit in? You know what I'm saying? Like, where do you fit in? You better be a special raindrop. So it's like, that's the tough part now. You know what I mean? Like, just figuring out how to break artists and artists break from all types of different avenues now, but a lot of times it's more the presentation, not specifically the music. No, no, go ahead. But I just feel like it's it's kind of always been that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of always been that. Like, like I think about like Andre 3000. Everybody knew he could rap. He was wearing Atlanta Braves jerseys and hats. But then when he started dressing different, everybody was like, oh, he on some weird shit, but he was rapping better than everybody. So it's like, you know, that's how he stood out. Everybody can't do that. Would you say that Kanye West was ahead of that curve by wearing the polos? This, but, but not by wearing polos, nah, not by wearing polos. Hey, niggas been wearing polos. I, I wouldn't say by that. I, he I, produced. I, not even that. I, he's, the first, he's the first artist to say, he's the first artist to be on a street label and say, I'm not a street nigga. Like, he's the He's the first person to be like in an uncomfortable, like, bro, I got his pictures with Kanye taking pictures with state property and he looking over everybody's shoulders. You know what I mean? Like, he's the first artist to say, I'm going to totally stand on my art. I'm going to stand on my name and my art because it's better than everybody else's. And it's not about me being a tough guy. Like, he made it cool to be yourself. I feel like he's the person that made it super cool to be yourself, no matter if you was from the street or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was a neutralizer in that regard. You have people in your DMs all day shopping music, telling you, check out my DMs. They're in the comments now. Mm -hmm. You talked about being a special kind of raindrop. I guess I'm going to take that and flip it. What made Dave East, in your mind, a special kind of 
raindrop? And, and I counter that by asking, how do others become that special kind of raindrop? I mean, he just rapped different than he rapped different than what I was hearing at the time. You know, like not his content. His content was the same. He wasn't rapping no different than I say. Like at that time, it was my man Dub Aura, One Shot. Um, it was a lot of people. Trey Pizzy is a lot of people coming up. You know, um, it was a lot of people coming up in the in the city at that time, but. For him, it's just like he his wordplay was just a little different. He looked, he's taller than everybody. He had a different story than everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's all it really was. No, man, you you bringing up bars. Do you think the best way for artists? Do you think SoundCloud is overrated or oversaturated? What is the, what is the best way uh, or traditional way that still applies in the social media era to get people's attention? SoundCloud is not, the thing is, is like, people gotta, like, a lot of people say, like, it's just so crazy how, like, we shit on everything. I don't have a problem with SoundCloud for the specific reason that everybody, it's people, mothers that can't afford to give their kids $10 a month to right. listen to Apple Music or to have a premium family account on Spotify to pay $20. Everybody, moms can't, like, for kids, you know what I mean? Everybody, moms can't do that. So I like, I mean, SoundCloud, I'll listen, like if somebody sends me a link, I'll listen to whatever the link is. I don't really have a preference in that space. But I think that, you know, with, for, for, the, for the growing or up and coming artist, you have to have some sort of tools that you can use. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you have to have some sort of tools. If SoundCloud is your tool, then you use it for what it's worth. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's just a hustle. Like, if that's what you... If, if that's the platform that you're choosing to hustle the best on because it's a free platform, then you hustle there. If you can upgrade your shit and put it on another platform and pay some more money to get third-party playlists and or more somebody to work it digital and they could work it on other platforms, then you do that too. But I, I don't, I don't like shun no platforms just for the simple fact that everybody can pay for the same thing. You know what I'm saying? That don't mean that everybody shouldn't be entitled to, to put their they art on there. You talked about um, the fact that you like the indie hustle. What artist currently is the best version of an indie working with inside of a major? I don't know, bro, because it's like it's not that I'm like a, such a big fan. There's no the difference between independence and major. There's no real big difference for real. The difference is, is this. Independent labels is the same as major labels. They just take less of a percentage of what you, what you, what they trying to sell. So people be like, oh, everybody thinks that independent means they go in and they wilding and spending money. That's not independence. Uh, an uh, independent company, most independent companies are just companies that's like, okay, the major label, they'll give you, if they'll give you $500,000, they're going to want a 360 that puts, uh, puts in place uh, a term that they can make money off of everything you want because they want to make money off their investment. You're an investment. They're not giving you an advance because you're special, like because they like you or you they friend. They want to make money off you and with you. Now with an independent company, it's the same thing. They just like, yo, we can only give you. We can't give you five hundred. The most I could give you is fifty thousand. But I need, I need shelters on this. Like I need to make money off of this and that and that and this. Like it's the same, almost the same structure. You know what I mean? How did your experience help you in your role as VP of Asylum Records? And what did you have to learn on the job that you didn't know? Um, what I really learned over the past, because I've been there for a year now, what I see, I, I understood deals from a manager's perspective. Because when I worked at Rockefeller, I never worked on nobody's deals. I never signed nobody at Rockefeller. You know what I'm saying? So I never worked on nobody's deals. I just, I worked the product. I worked the artist in the studio. When I worked my management company, I handled it like I was a label. So I would deliver to the independent company that we worked with all the deliverables. I would give them, I would make sure that I'm handing in the lyrics. I'm hand, I'm, I'm dealing with the producers that we could get the producer agreement. So I handed it independent in that sense. With working for Asylum, I had to learn deal structure. Like the thing about, um, the thing about uh, this game is, is like for black people, yeah, this is our culture. We can sit in the studio for hours. We know how to make records. We know how to market the records, all of that. 
But a lot of us, and I'll say this, a lot of us don't know the business. Just like, just because you're in the studio and you're in the studio 24-7 and you make records and you give it to the person, and, and, like, I had to learn everybody's job. So, like, I'm I'm the second in command at, at Asylum. You know what I'm saying? So I got to know how my DSP person pitches the records. I have to know how my my person in publicity is pitching the artist for publicity. I have to, and their relationships. And if I can help with that, I have to know my digital person and what strategies they coming up with, my product managers. I got to know, that's the difference now. It's like, I had to learn everybody's job, but before it was just like, I wouldn't say it was selfish, but all I had to do was do me because I'm making a percentage off of an artist as opposed to signing and curating careers now. You know what I'm saying? You know, you, the way I'm hearing you talking from a music perspective mm -hmm. is a conversation that I had with the late Stuart Scott over 12 years ago. Wow. Stuart Scott said to me um, at VH1, a friend of mine worked at VH1, and she said, yo, come by. Stuart Scott said, I want you to meet him. Mm -hmm. And Stu and I sat in after he did a, a, like a session where he was just recording a ton of, pre-recording a ton of stuff. And he talked about how he made his mistakes out of market before he made to ESPN. So he learned what the guy who runs the teleprompter does. He learns what the camera guy does. He, he learned how to shoot packages in the field and then come back and edit them. He learned how to write the script. Right. He learned how to book guests. Right. So and when he's on SportsCenter, God rest his soul, um, if the teleprompter guy who's new doesn't know his cadence, mind you, Stuart had one eye because he had one glass eye. Yeah, the glass he, eye. He knew how to adjust because he knew the point guard's job, the shooting guard, the small forward, the power forward, right. all positions on the floor. Right. So when you talked about that, I think that's an invaluable skill because everybody just wants to be on camera. Nobody wants to do the contracts. Nobody wants Yo, to be the show for it. Everybody just wants I'm, to be seen. It's, it's crazy you said because, like, I do this every day. Like, I'm talking about I send deals out every week. Some get signed, some don't. You got to know. And, and the thing about in the music industry is you have to, like, it's all about timing and spacing because, like, if there's an artist, like, there's an artist that I'm on, right? I'm like, yo, I want to sign this kid. His deal might be worth 100000 on Monday. By Friday, it could be 500 So if I don't, I, like, I work closely with our lawyers, like, and that's the thing about the business that, like, it's a big difference and uh, it's a real, real, real big difference in how you handle things when you know the when you when you're a part of the backline business or you're part of creative, because those are two different portions of the business. The people who run the business can't do creative. That's why they hire people. But the people that's in creative, you'll make you'll get a record and make these people fifty million dollars, and all you're gonna get is a little point off the record. So you got to Like the thing about being in the music business, and this is why I be telling people because people come to me every day. My DM is filled up. My, my text messages, my email, all of that. And they talk about how much they want to do this because they passionate about music. But if you passionate about music, you got to be working with somebody that's passionate about business. Because if you can't, if you can't align the two, you ain't never going to make nothing out of this shit. Nothing ever. I promise you that. And it's not personal. That's another thing. It's not personal. When I, growing up, Full House was a show that was our generation's show. And Oftentimes, when you looked at guys like Uncle Jesse, who was downstairs in, in, the, in the basement playing the guitar, you looked at him like he was an old man. Get over yourself. Get over your dream. I think that that was looked at from a hip-hop lens. Because mm. in hip-hop, it's not an old man's game. It, yeah, it's not an old man's game. It's not. But, but see, the larger... It's crazy that you say that. The larger conversation that we have, and I think it's not... Because hip-hop is, I say it's black people shit, but the thing about it is, is that we're so negative towards each other that we don't, we could keep the flame going for one another. That's why I think that versus is like one of the best things that could ever happen. Because it keeps the, it keeps the, the conversation or the idea of the artist that came before the artist now alive. It's like, I don't expect like the the gunner the gunner hardcore gunner fan to my fault to listen to D
DMX. But they parents could school them on what DMX was and what Snoop Dogg was. And and I think like instead of looking at it like all oh, these old niggas, who cares about this shit? Nah, like y'all don't understand that that's gonna be y'all one day. Like, do you remember the day when, um, when Swiss Beat said he wants to create a fund that, like, all the young artists contribute to that fund? Yeah. And there was people that were like, why? So what? Why would we? That's why we, that's why as a people we be in the position we in. That's why. Because a person won't think for five seconds about a, a $400,000 watch. But let's say the fund was, if you making, a, let's say it's you in hip hop and you making, you grossing, Three million, you grossing five million dollars a year or some shit, and your fee to this pot is five thousand dollars for the for the five million you made. All you had to do is put up five G's. That's gonna help somebody that came before you one day. Why not? Nah, cause I don't know them. They ain't help me. That's how we. That's our mentality, and that's why people be stuck the way they stuck, and we be looking at everybody, but they stick together, and we like it, it gets real deeper. But you know what I'm saying? You know what the reminds me of? It's it's um number one, it's, it, that five thousand you speak of is nothing more than union dues. That's nothing. That's union dues. Yo, in the, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I'm. Just, I just about to say it's. Not, I just look at. I. I don't tell. I don't feel that nobody should comment on or critique what anybody who works hard spends their money on. I'm not with that. If if you worked hard, you could go buy a helicopter with nowhere to fly to. You know what I'm saying? Like, do it. That's your money. Do it. All I'm saying is, is that when we start talking about the underlying issues and us as a people, black people, brown people who make this culture what it is on a creative spectrum and from a legacy and all of that, we don't take care of each other. Mm-hmm. And if and if we did the bare like, if a person that make five like you make five million dollars, you can't get five thousand for just for somebody. Yeah, you might not know them, but that contributes to a person. You know what I mean? That contributes to a person that came before you, and a person that's coming behind you is going to do the same thing for you. Yeah. But that's too that's too much because it's their money, and you know what I mean. So um, last week I had. Uh, one of the, the, the NBA with, uh, Players Association has mm-hmm. um, the MBPA, the National Basketball Players Association. I know so about that. Michelle, okay, so Michelle Roberts is the executive director. Then you have Chris Paul as the president. Then you have six vice presidents, Kyrie being one of them, Chris Paul, CJ McCollum, um, Bismack Biyombo, and a bunch of, and Andre Iguodala, a bunch of other people. So I was on a, on a show today, and they were asking me about the NBA Players Association. So I had spoken to Bismack last week. I wrote something yesterday mm-hmm. on heavy.com. And what I learned is um, the, 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 the Retired Players Association as a union had been elected since the 50s. In 1983, the NBA and the Retired Players Association created the salary cap. And if you know about the salary cap, you know, that means at a certain point, a team can't spend a certain amount of money without paying a luxury tax. In your lifetime, could you see something in hip hop similar where it becomes unionized? You have a president, multiple vice presidents, and you have people advocating on their behalf. No. Damn. No. <laughs> I can't. Because cause selfishness, man. Hip hop is a very selfish culture, yo. It's a very selfish culture. It's a very um unforgiving, unthankful, like Everybody is 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 doggy dog, it's, and it's eat what you kill. So it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, I would love for that to happen. I, I would love for that to happen, but it's just like me knowing the nature of people, specifically men. You know what I mean, and how they operate and shit. And that that can't happen, man. Somebody in the comments said, "Isn't that what label is?" I disagree. It with what with what is the label is no. That's the pro- see. This this is what people don't understand, man. And this is the reason why I said niggas get it fucked up. Excuse my language, but they get it fucked up when it comes to things like this, man. Because the a a, a union like the label is like a glorified bank, right? Mm-hmm. Hip hop is the only hip hop is the only business where people go into it not knowing the business. And want everything. 
Oh, the label should do that. The la you, you, that you don't even know who you deal with. These is Fortune 500 companies. Mm -hmm. I say it again. Fortune 500 companies, for the people who's watching that don't know what a Fortune 500 company is, don't even look. I just remember all the labels I told you, all the labels you think about, Republic, Def Jam, Interscope, Warner, all Island, all of them. Now go look at all the other Fortune 500 companies. It's it, it, Hip-hop is the only place where everybody feel like you should give me everything without me achieving anything. That's why I equated to sports so much. Because imagine, imagine a, 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 a player that's in the NBA that says, yo, man, I feel like I should get a max contract, right? I, I, I feel like I should get a max contract. And now the money is so ridiculous. Everybody gets all these crazy contracts because it's more about performance as opposed it is to winning. But you never, you've never been to the playoffs in seven years. You've never achieved anything. We've invested all this money in you. Yeah, you sell tickets, but like ultimately, we're trying to reach the top of our goal. Should we should we invest that money in you? No. Should we invest the money? And, and especially if you're an asshole that people don't like, and that's what hip hop is filled with—a bunch of asshole little kids who don't want to learn business, and 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 don't want to understand how to do business. They want all the money in the world, and 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 every time they mess up, and they they just come back like, "Yo, the label should give me this because I'm dope. The label should give me that." I should have this from the label. I should have that. But but which where's the when 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 did you win a ring? When did you go to the playoffs? What did you you have to sell? I, I think that the biggest problem with music business is that people forget that they have to sell records. Like, yeah, you want to get on, but once you get signed and all that, that's when the work starts. They be feeling like, oh, oh I don't I could do the bare minimum. You know what I mean? And get by, and that's the thing. It's like, but then you put yourself. Then you sign a deal, you sign your deal, and you get into a. a you, you put yourself in a bare minimum situation, and you're doing the bare minimum, and then you didn't took all this money. The label never got none of their money back, and now when you want to leave and all that, they like, all right, but we own all of this, and you like, how you own that? You be like, well, you never recouped, so we got to keep this so that we can make our money back off our investment. Yeah, that, that that's why I said people have to start learning the business, yo. Everybody feels like they man, they cousin, they mom, they pops, they sister is the best. Yo, I got my man is the best. He's better than him. It's not about that. You need to learn the business. Because if you go buy a house, when you go to sign on that dotted line for a mortgage, you have to know the business of the business that you're getting into so that you can so that you can have and maintain this house and own it one day. If you don't maintain it or own it, guess who owns it? The bank. The bank. And if you can't pay me for it, then I can sell your house. You got to get out. They don't understand that, though. But you know what I mean? Yeah. To me, that's 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 like understanding salary cap, the, uh, knowing knowing the difference between an unrestricted free agent and a restricted free agent, knowing the bird rights. You're a basketball guy, so I'm, I'm speaking oh, English to you. Oh, absolutely. But but for certain people, they may not understand any of that. They don't. And the thing is, but that's why you can always do something else. See, the thing about it is, is that, you know, the thing about hip hop and like I even struggle. Sometimes I even struggle with that, too, because while I, I like I don't promote violence or, you know, negativity or nothing. But hip hip hop is a very negative genre. It's a very negative genre of music. We celebrate the same things that make us cry in hip hop. You know what I'm saying? When an artist, like, I think about this all the time. I love Big Drip by Fabio Foreign. What's the biggest line on that song? Send me the Addy, I'm hunting them down. That happened to Pop Smoke. They caught the Addy, they hunting them down. Now we in despair. So it's like, it's a it's a big tug of war morally sometimes. You know what I'm saying? It's a real big tug of war morally. When, uh, when you write your book? I don't know, man. I don't know where to start. The first thing about it, I am I am starting a podcast though. For the people who have been in tune, you know, I um I started a podcast before all this COVID shit hit. Um, you know, I got my own space, my own I got my own podcast studio, I got my own recording studio. I started the podcast, but you know, we wasn't able to like really solidify the business on of it of it because I don't want to do a Zoom podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not what it's gonna be, but I, I, I am rolling out a lot of different content. 
I have learned a lot of things from my peers who is academics in the desk and they've taught me a lot about creating content and doing stuff and I'm I'm that's my next wave. I'm getting into that game heavy. You know what I mean? So I'm definitely gonna work on some things where people can hear my voice, you know. I, I got a question. So a lot of times, you know, you I feel like the rapper startup kid is okay, I sell drugs, I move CDs out the trunk. CDs don't exist anymore, right? For someone who is in that life, how much does it how much does a rapper need from that life to check out and to fund their own stuff? We we mean as far as like Oh, being in it, like, if they in the streets and all of that? Like, if you're in the streets and then you check out. Yeah. Is 100000 the number? $100,000, and, and, you know, no disrespect to nobody who don't make that type of money, but $100,000 ain't no money. That ain't no money for nothing. Just, just to be living, that shit ain't no money. Like, and I'm not even talking about living on a luxurious level. It's hard to live off of $100,000 paying taxes. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'll say, like, it ain't even your ultimately... It's not about, because I got a lot of homies that's in the street that's trying to make that transition. It's not about the money. It's about the commitment. Like, what are you willing to sacrifice? A lot of, a lot of people not willing to sacrifice their lifestyles. Like, for, for myself, I was, I, I was willing. The, the, the reason why I got in the position I am today is because I took so many L's trying for other people. Like, I tried to get so many other, like, once Rockefeller and all that fell apart, I tried to get, so, I, I had accepted that music wasn't good. I was like, at one point in time, I'm like, music is not going to be my career. So I, I have children. I need to be able to take care of them. I had fully on accepted that I was going to have to get a job. And I dropped out of school in the ninth grade. And I don't have any trade skills. I don't, I don't have any, like, things to fall back on. So the, the basic jobs I could get is anything where I could drive, push, or pull. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I just was like, I, and I tried to get those jobs and it didn't work out for me. So I was, my decision was like, yo, I'm tired of other people being in control of me wanting to make money that I want to make or me wanting to be successful. And I just gave, and I gave myself a shot and I call it my smartest and dumbest decision all at once. Because no rational thinking person would make a decision that I made at 30 years old, my third kid on the way living in the projects, to not go get a job after they got laid off. But I did it, and it worked. Now, do I I, I advise anybody to follow their own path. Their path not going to be mine. But I, that, like you said about like how much, there's no amount of money, you know what I mean, that's enough. I think that it's about a, an internal commitment that you're willing to make. If you're in the streets... And you're, you know, if you, first of all, if you're in the streets, you don't want to be in the streets for most people. And if you're making them type of decisions and you want to get past those decisions, you got to say, yo, I might be getting this type of money off the streets and this, that, and third. I'm willing to leave that alone for what I really want to do. If you're not willing to do that, it's never going to work. You can't be one foot in, one foot out. Because everybody that's one foot up, one foot out goes to jail or they die. Mm. You, you know what I mean? You, you got to say, I, right, I'm totally leaving this type of lifestyle alone. And this is what I'm going to go towards, you know? You're one of the hosts of Everyday Struggle. Um, and you replaced, or you were the guy after uh, a couple of people who you have a lot of respect for. There's no ill will. I know you guys are cool. I guess my question is, for a guy who dropped out of school mm -hmm. to be on TV, reading a teleprompter, you're doing better than some newscasters. When you look at the fact that you didn't finish high school and you're on television doing what you got to do, you're not pushing or pulling. That's yeah. pretty successful. I mean, yeah, but you know what? My recognition for that came way before I even got on that show. My greatest, one of my, aside from my children, my greatest accomplishment, maybe after my children, is making it to 30 years old with no felony. I'm saying? Being a black man coming where I come from, I come from poverty for real. And I don't say that like, you know how people always want to joke, oh, I'm from the trenches, I'm from the this, I'm from the that. Listen, man, I grew up in a place where there's nothing to look forward to coming outside every day. Now, how hard that is, you get up every day as a black man, you got the police, police fucking with you for no reason, people in your neighborhood, they on you for whatever reason, or they ain't messing with you this time, then you trying to get a job in the midst of that. I don't have no, like I said, I don't, I'm very educated, but I don't have 
my academic background. My biggest, yo, when I turned 30, I sat in my kitchen and cried just because I made it to 30 without no felonies. I got one of my friends, he just came home from doing, well, he, he did 15 years. Another one of my friends did 14. Some of my friends is coming home this year off of shit that happened when we was teenagers. So, like, for me to be in the position I am, that's why, like, it don't even, the everyday struggle shit, the asylum shit, it don't even be hitting me like that. Because that's not what I really, I, I just wanted to make my moms proud. You know what I mean? Like, I just wanted my moms and my dad to be proud of me that I ain't, you know, I ain't dead on the grave. You know what I'm saying? I mean, dead on jail. My biggest thing was, like, all of this stuff, that's why I'm never late for nothing. I'm never late for nothing. If there's any anything anybody ever needs from me, I always show up. I always go to extra miles because I'm in a very privileged position, and I don't take that for granted. You know what I'm saying? So all the... The, 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 all the accol like all the accolades and all that to me is secondary. I just I, I this is a responsibility more than anything. It ain't even about the show. End of the day, it's about you know me being blessed with a, a responsibility. Tell me something. Um, you talked about dropping out, corporate position, executive position. You cried yeah. at thirty because you made it. Um, I guess my question is um, during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I can speak for myself. For 15 years, I've been in and out. College, the road, and more. This is the most I've been home, like in one place. Is that the same for you? And if so, what has been some of your self-reflections during the pandemic? Yo, um, yeah, like, yeah, this is the most I've been home. Because I, I travel, like, before, I travel a lot. Like, I'm talking about, like, at least three, two to three weekends a month, I'm getting on a plane usually. I haven't got. I got on the plane for the first time in like six months last week, and um, it's been it's been like you know getting closer with my family. You know what I'm saying getting closer with my kids, learning them, learning them differently because during the day I'm not with them. They in school, they doing their activities. I'm not with them. Um, my reflection has really been to like really, 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 really school to get my get my my mind together. You know what I mean? To really have my mind right because it's like I'm a leader. You know what I mean? I said that before. I say a boss. I'm a leader. It's people I lead. It's people that depend on me. Like I run a company, not just my not not just my own company, but I run a label. I got to be responsible for all these other things. I'm really like my my mindset has really been on um legacy and positioning my children. You know what I mean? I got 18 year old daughter. It's in college. Got a thirteen year old son. I got an eight year old daughter. Like, I'm really about positioning their lives because, like, in business, that's what everybody else do. You know, I don't gotta say all that. Like, that's what they do. They make sure that they're in positions so that they can take, like, not specifically take care of their children, but they can position their children or position their families. Bro, I'm 37. I'm thinking about being a grandfather one day. Right now. Like, that's real life. You know what I mean? That's real life for me. I got to think about these things because it's going to happen in the next 10 years. So I got to think about, you know, as a man, what am I, you know, how am I presenting myself? What am I doing for my community? What am I doing for the people that work with me? What am I doing for my family? That, that's that been my mindset because I never knew nothing like this was going to happen. You know? No, that's real. What? You hear certain indie artists, you hear certain people say the, the industry is shut down for the year. That's a lie. <laughs> so you answered my first question. The second question is, <laughs> how will the industry change when the new normal takes place and people can come outside of it? What do you envision? Um, for the most part, I think it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be very apprehensive. You know what I mean, it's gonna be very apprehensive because, like, you know, like the, the this this pandemic situation is very real, and I think that even though there are people who are outside, there's a lot of people who aren't, and it's gonna take a lot of getting used to for people to just have normal interactions again. Um, as far as like how the industry is gonna be, I feel like it can adjust back. Like for the most part, the only thing that is not going on in the industry is like can't do shows for real. 
You know what I mean? But in touring, but other than that, artists are still getting signed. Like somebody said to me, like, yeah, ain't nobody signing. I said, what? I sent out two deals this week. What are you talking about? People is definitely getting signed. I'm saying like music is still selling. It's not selling as much as it was before because you gotta remember people might are not listening as much as they was before due to them not being able to go to the gym or everybody's not in their car there where they was. Everybody's not jogging like they were. You know what I mean? So it's like a lot of different instances where people are playing music and streaming music, but it's still a lot of money to be made. It's still a lot of business to to to, to be handled. You know? Wayne, who you got tonight? Lakers or Clippers? Lakers, man. Come on. I bleed purple and gold. And that might sound crazy because I'm from Harlem and the Bronx, but Lakers is my team. There you go. Yeah, there man. You go. Um, how much money would it cost to see Jay and Nas in a versus battle? Ain't no money. They got me, man. You know how much money Jay Z and Nas got? Dude, I, I, I spent a lot of time around Nas, man. Nas got me, like. Yo, they good. They don't. If they did something like that, it'd be purely for fun because they love Swiss and they love Timberland and it's you know they're all friends, you know, and they've done so much work together. And I think that that's what verses is truly about, you know, is 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 really the epitome of relationships, you know, like Swiss Beats, he could call Snoop before verses, he could call him anytime, and DMX and Timberland and every and anybody we see on verses. So it's like. I think it's more about, you know, providing something for, you know, the culture that they could be proud of. This is legendary stuff. It's like Versus has become our our powerhouse, our summer jam. You know what I mean? Like that, this is, and we get them like twice a month. So, you know, this is what we have. And I think that like even now, I, I'm, they done went and got a bag off of it because it's on streaming platforms and all of that. But I think this is the this is the reason why we do need to have unions and all these different things because a person like Swiss Beast and Timberland creates a platform that I feel like this versus thing can live can live forever. What's your what's been your favorite verses so far? Oh easily um easily Snoop Dogg and, and DMX. Easily Snoop oh. Dogg and DMX. That and um Snoop Dogg and DMX and JD Kiss and Fat. Um those are the best ones for me. Yeah, yeah. No man, you you definitely uh brought it home today. Thank um, you man. You talk about the podcast. You talk about the business side. Yes. What's next? Um. Well, right now, I don't know if anybody paid attention, but the other day I posted I'm I'm doing a little I joined forces with Audio Mac. You know, we're doing a a, a playlist called the Tapped In Playlist. It's um it's free. Um, every artist that ends up on a playlist is gonna get a verified account on Audio Mac. Um, this is something that I'm, I, I hit Audio Mac up about. They didn't reach out to me. I reached out to them with the idea. They was fully transparent and fully open to it. It was just me taking my time and using my platform to say, you know, with everything that's going on, you know, um, I want to I wanna work with a company that can provide opportunities for these young up-and-coming brothers and sisters all over the world to be heard. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, we, we, I'm, I'm taking submissions. That's why I'm in my studio today. Me and my son, we've been going over... Um, you know, the playlist, I picked about seven songs so far. We're going to reach out to all of the artists that make it, and um, we're going to keep it going, you know. And I got I got other stuff that's going on, but, you know, I, I haven't signed the deals yet, so I can't, you know what I mean, I can't, I can't disclose those yet. But I'm, 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 one thing I say about me, man, is that I, I adapt and that I'm going to be here to stay. I'm not going nowhere. Everyday Struggle is going to be here. Wayno's Pod, the podcast is going to be here. Um, I'm working on some dope content ideas, you know. Hopefully, you know, every time we and you come together, we do dope content, you know, so hopefully we could do this again. I'm, I'm not going nowhere, like, for real. I'm not going nowhere. We got official Rap Snacks in the comments. Look at how far hip-hop is taking us. Listen, man, shout out to Rap Snacks. Rap Snacks, we keep it, <laughs> keeping my kids laced. They send us a bunch of chips and, and noodles and all that, you know what I mean, every month. Rap Snacks, you know what I mean? My man Rari over there, he's looking out for me. You know what I mean? Last so, question. Yeah, let's go. I have not posted this yet, so the people who are on here are the first to know. I, I called you before this, and I told you, so I'll tell everybody. Tomorrow at 3 o'clock, Master P will be on Instagram Live with me. Yes. You interviewed him recently. Yes. Any words of advice before I step in the ring with, with, with Master P? Oh, uh, man, Master P, man, yo, I, I, I'm so honored to say that I got a chance to work with Master P. I got a chance to interview Birdman. Like, like my life has been crazy, but what I will say about Master P Something that I wanted him to really delve into, um, Ghetto Dope. It's my favorite. It's one of my favorite albums. I hope Ghetto Dope 
right there with the infamous Mob Deep. I hold it up there with Reasonable Doubt. I hold it up there with Life After Death, All Eyes On Me, Machiavelli. Uh, it was written, Illmatic, most of my favorite classic albums. And I just wanted to know what was his thought process with making that album because I feel like, you know, they was putting out projects prior to that. But that album was the one that, like, really put No Limit on the map. And my, one of my homies, he was from Arizona. Well, he lived, he was going, staying in Arizona for a summer. He brought that shit back to Harlem. Like, yo, you got to listen to this. That's how I got up on it. So I always wanted to know, like, what was the mindset and the thought process when he made Ghetto Dope? So if you could get that out of him, please, please, Scoop. I need that, man. I ain't get, he ain't give me that the other day. I need that. Uh -huh. I, I, I'm, I'm taking cues from the interview master, Mr. Wayne. I appreciate it. Oh, that. man, I'm, I'm growing, man. I'm still growing, man. Yes, sir. Yes, no sir. Well, I, appreciate, I appreciate you. Keep doing your thing, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for letting me use your platform. Bro. Love, man. I'll talk to you later. This is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee, and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Kaboom! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.